Welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast, where we talk about how to be a better lifter, how to be a better coach, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe and enjoy. Hello, and uh, welcome back to another episode of the Zero Weakness Podcast. I'm here with myself, Gidge Dog, CJ, and Tom Brosey. Um, we are sponsored by Establishment Coffee Co. So if you want to order some coffee beans, head to Establishment Coffee Co code.com.au and use the discount code 025 to get 25% off your next order. And free shipping. And free shipping. Fuck, I didn't really, I forgot. <laughs> it's definitely not the website. Just Google establishment <laughs> coffee. No, crack. no one remembers websites and types yeah. them in anyway. Yeah, you just go on, because it's all there. You just type in establishment, yeah, something will come up. Google it. Yeah, just something type in establishment. While you're there, Google me. Yeah. That's right. Google right. zero. Yeah, yeah, fucking A, Google zero. And give us a rating on Spotify and all that jazz. I don't oh know yeah, why I I'm need to plug that. that. Yeah, for a shirt. Right? That's right. Right. That's right. The 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 August the August promotion. I want to see. Send me a screenshot. Five stars on Spotify. Go to each of the four gyms. Ground Zero, Zero Southside, Zero Brisbane, Zero Mackay. Five stars on a Google rating with a glowing review. Tell us what you think of Zero. Make sure it's five stars. Has to be five stars, otherwise you're ineligible. Send us a screenshot of that. I'll send you a free shirt. Yeah, another one. Get that shirt, guys. Hit them up. All right, uh, we're going to kick things off with a bit of gratitude. What are we grateful for this week, team? I'm grateful for my car. Talk to us. Which car? I haven't seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Neither have I. For a couple of weeks. I haven't had a car for a couple of weeks, as you guys remember. As I was driving out to my parents' place, I hit a kangaroo about a month ago, and my car has been at the smash repairs for about two weeks now. Mm. And... I've been relying on friends and public transport and Ubers to get everywhere and it just made me realise how grateful I am for my car and I can't wait to get it back. Mm. It's a good Grady. Mm. Good Grady. Yeah. CJ. I'm grateful for the weather. Ooh. I lo- well, today's a bit gloomy, but um, lately, yeah, I-, I love cold weather. I love, and being on the Gold Coast, it's, uh, I don't know, I'm not the biggest fan of the heat and humidity, which Gold Coast is very well known for during the summer, but... Yeah, our winter is just the best and I'm like soaking it up as much as I can. Same. And now that it's past like July, it's only going to get warmer from here. Yeah. <laughs> Even the last few days have been like, oh no, come back. I want it to be as cold as it was a couple mm. of weeks ago. And Legit you can dress though. so much more stylish yeah. in the wintertime. Swagged out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Um, on the car thing, I like my my phone died earlier this year, so I got a brand new phone, and three weeks later, it, the screen just died. It was is a common issue for those those phones, apparently. What, Samsung. Yeah, the the, the new Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, live in the dark ages. <laughs> right um, and uh, for for a couple of weeks there, because I had to send it away twice. For a couple of weeks there, I was just using like a really really old Huawei. And like we, like you with the car, it's so cool how we just adapt to whatever circumstances that we're in and, and make shit work. And then it kind of open your eyes, opens your eyes to how complacent we get with how good we've got things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's such a first world problem. But I don't know. It's it's always good to have those experiences. Yes. Um, my gratitude for the week is a well-behaved dog. But he's just, he's the man. He is. He's a good boy. He's a good kid. Boy. He's old and grumpy. Like he's definitely getting more chill as he gets older. Um, but yeah, he's he's a good boy. Nice. That's a good grady. Everyone loves Buddy as well. Mm. Uh on that note, you shouldn't bring a dog to the gym unless he's like Buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is no other dog like Buddy. Yeah, you're right. It's it's actually been kind of challenging over the years because you know, I'm a dog person. I love dogs. And uh, we get plenty of dog people come in and then people see me with my dog here and I've seen you with your dog here until he had to be obviously put away for the violent crimes in which he committed. Um, And so people get comfortable. They're just like, yeah, it's a dog-friendly gym. I'll bring my gym. And then they bring their dogs. And I love dogs, but it's like kids. Like you love your own kids and some kids are just annoying. Yeah. (laughs) Out of any, mine and your dog are the only good dogs that come in here. Poots is super chill. He's He's like Buddy. Just okay. a small version of Buddy. And he bites the boss's face every <laughs> now and again. <laughs> was Buddy always this chill? Uh, yeah. Mm. He was definitely more playful. And he had really bad separa- separation anxiety when I rescued him for, yeah. for quite a while. But he's always been, yeah, super relaxed. He's a good boy. 
Uh, all right, my uh, my piece of gratitude for the week is the competitions on the weekend. So we ran back-to-back competitions of the weekend, which we'll talk about later on on the podcast. We ran the USAPL Gold Coast Classic and our Woman of Power competition back-to-back on the Saturday. I'm grateful for hosting competitions here. They used to stress me out, but after running nationals or being a part of that process... Those comps are easy. Was it breeze? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe we, you know, like Friday afternoon set up. Oh, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's it. <laughs> I forgot how easy they were. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very grateful for grateful for that. But I'm also just very grateful for the opportunity to be able to host those events mm. here at Ground Zero. We've got a you know beautiful facility that's big enough to cater for how many competitors we have. The biggest comp we've had here is 120 lifters. Uh, we always make it work, and I'm yeah, I'm just grateful for everyone that you know gets their hands dirty and helps out. Yeah, the, I mean that's the reality is that the team we've got around us is what makes the comp so good and so easy. Just the people that consistently show up and volunteer their time. Um, I mean, we couldn't do it without you people. So thank you so much. All right, what have we been up to? Well, we haven't officially spoken about your run. <gasps> yeah, have we not? No. no. Oh sweet! No, because since yeah, since Josh then mm. you had we've had Josh, um, NRL. Mm-hmm. Sorry, <laughs> Jordan Kahu. Jordan, we had Jordan, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think we had Jordan Shallow after the run. Was the first one, or was that before? That I can't was remember. Before. Yeah, that was before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we you, we didn't really talk about it then either. We just haven't spoken about it for a while. So how'd you go? Yeah, good, really good. I uh, for those that don't know, I ran in a half marathon. I had a eight week prep. Um, from not running for, I don't know, however long it was. Not running for a very long time. Um, so I had an eight-week prep. And week one, because I was so unfit, I was running eight minutes per K for four kilometers. By the end of the prep, I was doing, you know, four minute 30 per K. Amazing. Like speed sessions. at Like 4.15 per K. I was getting faster. But the, the half marathon went really well. I ran 1.45. That was my official time. So that's my chip time. Mm-hmm. So chip times with uh, the chip and the bib, and then so when it crosses the start line, and then when it crosses the finish line. So like we were talking about, that's how it works. Um, <clears throat> so you wonder like when there's a big bunch of people, your official start time is when you cross the line. So you don't have to worry about being at the back of the pack or anything like that. Yeah. Your official start time is when you cross that line. And yes, yeah, so I ran the I ran sub one forty five. That's what I want. Well, actually, so my official time was one forty five. I wanted sub 145, but I actually took a two-minute toilet break, two or three-minute toilet break <laughs> at about 12Ks because it was so busy. I couldn't go toilet before the race. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but because I stopped my watch on my – while I was in the toilet, so my actual time was like 143, 144. Yes, I was really happy. Yeah, man. I mean, that's mm. like doing a powerlifting comp and being like, well, I deadlifted 300, <laughs> but I could have done 320. So, really, my total is 20 kilos more. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're like, not wrong. All you need <laughs> not the same. All you need to do now is is make a post. Yeah, like a, didn't have the day I wanted. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. the equipment wasn't a. No, no, no. You get to do the positive one where it's like, oh, I'm so happy with the result, even given, you know, I only trained for eight weeks, the yeah. conditions weren't perfect, but I'm still really happy with my performance. You get. <laughs> You get the positive spin. Yeah, that's good. And I was actually, I was 88 kilos when I started and I'm 81 kilos at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, some body composition gains as well. You know how it shows the most on you? The shape of your head and the vascularity. You get four head veins when you're lean. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) It's really good. Do you think it's because you can actually see my forehead now because I always wear a hat? That might have something to do with it. Yeah. That might have something to do with it as well. Um, And... Back on the gram. Yeah, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> With a name change. Yeah, d- d- yeah. the rebrand. Different the handle. Rebrand, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to be a little bit uh, more mindful of my social media use. Um, I thought, you know, being off social media as an online coach, some people message me as a joke, like, don't you have to be online to be an online coach? And I thought, yes, if this hinders it for an extended period of time, I'd have to get back on there. But I've got more online clients now. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. So jokes on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, because a lot of people because a lot of people speak of the value of social media, um, people tend to overvalue it. And from a business perspective, like don't get me wrong, it's fucking important, and it's an amazing tool. Like there is a lot of positive. There's some negative. I'd say it's overwhelmingly positive. Um, 
but I think we overvalue it. And I, you know, this is me speaking personally as well. I've wanted, I went through a phase last year where I wanted to delete it for ages. And every time I went to, I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to wait till this. I'm going to wait till I advertise the next coach development, or I'm going to wait till this comp is done or that's done. And so I never did. And in that time, I'm like, you know what? I might just lean into it a bit harder. Mm. So I went for a push on social media and I've slowed down. I need to pick it back up if I'm actually going to, going to try and put some effort into it. Uh, I, for me, it's just an outlet to put content out there because I don't do any other form of content besides this stuff. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was just it was a little bit uh, overwhelming at times. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I just felt obliged to you know reshare all this stuff and do all this, and people talked. Oh, I just needed to get rid of it, and it was the best break. And now I'm way more mindful of it. If you want to talk to me, send me a message or give me a call. You don't have to message me on Instagram. So um, being more mindful, what does that look like? Like, do you have actual parameters in place where? You try not to scroll as much or spend as much time on it. Like, are you actually doing anything different? Yeah. So during the day, um, like at work, I'll probably check it on my lunch break or when I sit down and have a coffee. Good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I already did that before. <laughs> but um, they're not logged in. So I have to log into it, even the Zero Weakness page. Like I have to actually log in to use it, mm-hmm. which is a pain in the ass. Um, yeah, so I just... I very rarely check it. I'll open it, have a quick scroll, and that's it. So I'll probably use it for about, I don't know, five minutes a day now. Yeah, nice. Whereas before, like, I'm sure we're all guilty of it. You can just sit, anytime you go do something, you might go take a shit, you'll bring your phone, you'll scroll. Anytime you get a spare moment, you're waiting in line for a coffee, you'll scroll. Um, It's like a time filler. So I'm just way more mindful of it now. If I go get a coffee, I have to bring my phone actually, but, Mm. um, you know, I'm just like, okay, cool. Just be, be present. You don't need to be fucking scrolling mindlessly just because you're not doing anything with your hands mm. Mm. for sure yeah sweet with the run you know how you said you took a toilet break when you took a toilet break because you'd run for what 12 k's already yeah did your legs kind of seize up a little bit or the lactic acid kind of nah. while you were just standing still or nah. sitting there yeah oh yeah so my legs only started getting heavy at around like the 16 k mark so my goal was to run a negative split. Split is where you run a sec- the second half of the uh, race faster than the first. So at uh, 12Ks, when I needed to go toilet, I've already run 1K at like 4.45. So I wanted to run faster, but I actually wanted to run way faster than that. I wanted to run around 4.35 per K. But once I got to 16, I, just, I ended up having to like straight leg run kind of because my legs were locked up. I was getting a little bit crampy. And um, yeah, like I was really well prepared as well. Like I had maybe a thousand milligrams of sodium in the morning uh, the morning of race during the race i consumed about a hundred 200 grams of carbs and about 300 milligrams of sodium so yeah just you just can't help it just one mm. of those things how are you taking the sodium uh so pre-race i got these little tablets that Salt just tabs. yeah, yeah. dissolve in water and then during the run i got these gels mm-hmm. um and in each gel there's like depending what ones you buy but they're just loaded with sodium and carbohydrates. Yeah, nice. This is this is probably a pedestrian question, but how do people warm up? So you, this might to you, this this is crazy to think about. So like for when we do our when we do a long run, so let's say we've got a tempo eighteen k run or whatever, we'll do a three k warm up. Uh-huh. So three k three k easy easy k's, really slow k's. What it's what people call a Kenyan shuffle. So you're just shuffling your feet, just getting on your feet for an extended period of time. Three Ks at a shuffle is probably like six minutes, 30 per K. So it's really slow. And then you'll do one K worth of strides. So one K worth of strides at a hundred meters each, you do a hundred meters at probably race pace. And then after that, you'll just stretch and swing your legs around and all that jazz. So I guess what I mean is like on the, uh, on these big races, Mm -hmm. there's thousands of people. Mm. Are they all warming up on the track? Nah, it's, it's, it was really weird. Like when I was warming up, we had a really short warm up because we got there pretty late and we didn't expect us to be having to do so much warm, uh, walking around. But some people are just standing around and jumping up and down. I think it's because I was doing a proper warm up because I like training. I really like training. So I, I enjoy the intricacies. I want to do everything properly. You know, like in power. If you guys did running, you guys would be the exact same. You know, before bench press, you do some shoulder stability stuff, yeah, things yeah. like that. Where these guys, are, a lot of majority of these guys are just running for fun. Yeah. So they're just standing on the spot, jumping up and down. You know, they do a few of the classic. Huh. <laughs> <Those ones>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and things like that. But yeah, you want to just get in some strides and there's plenty. Of, it's weird. There's plenty of space to warm up. 
Okay, so you don't actually warm up on the track, but you just find some space and yeah. go for a bit of a yeah, bit of a panda around. Mm. How did you feel in the days after? What was your recovery like? Um, it was pretty sweet. Yeah. I was a little bit sore. My toes were tender. I've got some black toes still. Toenails that are ready to fall off. But um, no, nah, it's sweet. I've Wait, run that distance before. That, that's a thing? Yeah. Your toes just get fucking beat up. From running? Mm. Even basketball players, rugby players, every, everyone that's fucking... Damn. It's mm. one of the big things with like the ultra guys. Yeah. You know, a, lot of, a lot of the... A lot of the reasons why people will drop out of those sort of races aren't because they run out of energy. It's because they run into problems like that. Mm. Like their feet just get destroyed, like massive blisters or whatever. And Yeah, I couldn't believe how... So I've got one toe that's still black, but I couldn't run for like pretty much the week mm. because of that one toe. I'm like, fuck, how do these guys do it? It was like excruciating. Mm. Like I couldn't wear, wear certain shoes because it was touching my toe. You got to callous the mind. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Callous the mind. <laughs> I think uh, I get really bad, um, uh, like chronic compartment syndrome, like mm. really bad um, uh, pumps on the outside of my calves when I'm heavier. So I get them real bad at the moment, like 300 meters into my walk, I want to quit. And I say that to myself so often as a joke, but I'm like, I really, and there's a crossroad that I come to in my walk where one option is up this massive hill and the other one is around this hill where it's a lot flatter and I never take the flat route. But yeah, I yeah. always get there and be like, I'm going the flat route. I'm like, Cal's mine. Straight, <laughs> straight up the hill. <laughs> Do your calves look sick though when they're, when they're pumped full of blood? Uh, they look weird. It's like massive lumps on the outside of my leg. Like that, that muscle there, it's called your perineal. Mm. That just gets full and it's just, it stops moving. Like my foot doesn't move like that anymore. It just like pounds flat. Yeah, fuck. <sighs> All right. Um... Tom, bro, before we uh, get into some more positive things, have you got a grievance for us? Um, not really. I don't, I don't really like the grievance anymore. I, re- I prefer the gratitude. <laughs> nice. I like that. That's sick. But, <laughs> how- however, just the comp food again. Like, no one left anything good. Yeah. yeah. Buddy got a free dinner. He had dinner last night, some nice. mince and rice that someone left behind, and I got a free container. <laughs> <laughs> Is it one of your foods in there or was it from the comp that's like rice and burnt like patties? It's not. <laughs> oh, that's in there now? Yeah. Like no, nah, that's Nicole's. <laughs> N- which Nicole? Kersalix. From the comp. Nah, she's downstairs. Do you see Nick? No, no, no. Yesterday. Oh. Uh, there's, no. there's like a... <laughs> have a look later. There's like this cardboard tub and it's full of rice, sweet chili sauce and these two like, I don't know what they are, like chicken rissoles <laughs> and they have just been... Obliterate. <laughs> so whoever you are, oh, well done. Learn how to cook. There's a reason why they left it in the fridge. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder why you didn't eat it. Oh, right. What if they had a bad performance? Eh? They went to go fuel up between lifts and like, fuck, I can't eat this. It's just charcoal. Yeah. How do you live like this? <laughs> That's a good grievance. All right. Uh, what have you guys been up to? I registered for Strength Quest. Let's hey. go. I said I wasn't going to compete again this year, but I saw there was a bunch of people from Zero that are doing it, and I got really excited. I just want to have a fun comp. All so right. I'm going to do Strength Quest. James so. looks like me and you are spotting, loading, refing because all the help's doing the <laughs> <Yeah>. comp. <laughs> Everyone is, eh? Yeah. Oh, I feel sick, actually. <laughs> I don't think I can make it that day. <laughs> I'm going to lay, fa- uh, lay, lay the foundation now. It's a big comp. We've got 60 lifters. Yeah, we've already, full. Yeah, we've, mm-hmm. we've filled it up, so we'll, we'll put out a waiting list. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be one of our, our double comps. It'll be one of our move all the equipment outside comps. Perfect. Nice. Hire some chairs, make it a bit bigger. If I can figure out this barbecue, I'll do some brisket. We'll sell some brisket on oh, the day. That'll nice. be cool. That's such a good Come idea. On. How good. Mm. Uh, Tombro, what have you been up to? Just training. Just training. Um, You're ripping into your training too, eh? Mm. Yeah, I'm feeling very uncomfortable with the size I am. Yeah? Like, just life hurts. Mm. I've I've just gotten too big too quickly and just back pumps. I'm sick of the back pumps. Yeah? Get out of bed and I walk to the bathroom and I'm like, oh, my back's pumped already. (laughs) (laughs) But it's good. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm enjoying training like this. Um, uh, What have I been up to? if, if if people follow me on Instagram, they would have seen me put up a bit of a hype story yesterday. A couple of random colored zero logos, maybe signifying two more gyms coming. Don't know. Maybe. Mm. I think that's uh, that's taking up a lot of uh, a lot of my time and energy at the moment. Is just um, 
you know, continuing to do that. I've started, uh, I've gone into business with someone else on a, another company unrelated to powerlifting. Um, so there's a little bit happening behind the scenes there. Um, APL's kicking off big time as well. There's just lots of things happening. That's sick. Exciting. Hmm. Do you refer to yourself as a business mogul now? No, never. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> mogul. That word is so... It's the best, eh? Mogul. Because uh, I'm, a, I'm a business baby. Oh, There's a lot, a lot to learn. A lot to learn. CJ? Um, yeah, same. Just been training. Really enjoying um, the volume training I'm doing. Um, starting to shorten my workouts, shorten my rest periods. And yeah, things are uh, yeah, a lot more sore, but it's a nice. So it's like an accomplished kind of sore. Mm. Um, well, that's what happens when you do accessories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it. Hold, it's, hold on, How, where, what are you shortening rest periods on? Um, Top sets. E- everything now. Are you yeah. sure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How yeah. long were they before? They were, they were very. Yeah, <laughs> I was here for a very long okay. time. Okay, so we've gone from half an hour to twenty minutes. No, no, honestly, oh, a lot uh, less than that. Uh, a lot less than that. But yeah. now he's spending more time filming every accessory. Yeah. yeah. That was a one off. <laughs> I don't want to do that every time. It's nah, so much I keep work. doing it. Mm. Um, but yeah, especially like bench days, you can really shorten them down. And I've been enjoying that, uh, doing that, that at the UFC gym. And then like I can hit a bag for longer and, and doing that, f- like more rounds of hitting a bag and then sauna. Like I, I'm really enjoying this very different i guess feeling um but yeah getting a pump on are you weighing yourself no you you must be losing weight with all the extra work i guess so unless you're eating more no i'm eating the same i i I can see my body's changed um i'm a lot like wider up top which is nice nice yeah that's what you want baby get jacked get jacked and juicy what have I been up to? I've been uh, just plotting along, scheming, scheming. doing my thing. Scheming. <laughs> scheming. Yeah, no, I'm not oh, really, I don't know. I don't scheming. know. Just trying to sound cool. No, um, what am I doing? Uh, got a few more online clients, got a few more face-to-face clients, so getting busier here. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I've been running, lifting, and swimming. Do you think you'd do a try? Yes, that's the goal. Do you have a bike? No. They're very expensive. Uh, Tom, mm. did you say? Oh, Yeah. I probably have one you can use too. Yeah, you you do actually. Yeah. You want to borrow my BMX? <laughs> <laughs> uh, got stolen. Yeah. Is in a <laughs> no, I'm actually I've been looking. I'm looking every day at a bike. You should um you should talk to Mike Kingston. Really? Yeah, he's like ex semi professional cyclist. He's got tons of them. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I actually will. He know he rides from uh the suburb that he lives in to Southside. It's a very long ride. Yeah, shit. Um yeah, no, he's all over. Talk to him. Yeah, well, and yeah, so swimming, uh, being Filipino, being half Asian, you don't really get the pleasure of learning how to swim as a child. <laughs> you know, they don't put any, uh, I feel like Filipino parents, or I don't know if it's Asian parents, uh, they don't put a lot of, uh, they don't see swimming as like a thing, because yeah, I don't know any yeah. Filipinos that can swim. What about the Islander side? Nah, but they, they can do bombs. So, they, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's it. They're good at jumping in the water, like making big splashes, but they can't swim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I started my swimming journey, I don't know how long ago. But so week one, I did 500 meter, 450 meters in 46 minutes. Now I can do five, I did 625 in 16 minutes. I love how when you're passionate about something, how statistical you are. Yeah. Like you remember every number of every session or like if you, when you were, you know, when you first started training here and you were deep in the powerlifting throws, you knew every lifter and every single mm. PB that they had. You're so statistical. I love it. Yeah, I still do. I still remember everyone's numbers. I can still rattle off everyone's, uh, everyone's PBs, everything. Uh, that's what I've always uh, done. Yeah, numbers. I'm a numbers guy. But numbers I, guy. I don't know. Can I say that? Because I can't actually do maths. No, you can be a numbers guy without being able to do maths. Yeah, sweet. Or right, I'm a numbers guy. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, all right. Let's get into, before our topic, let's uh, recap the competition that we had in the weekend. Yeah, so we ran the Queensland's first ever USAPL meet. Um, basically, you know, the opportunity came up a, a little while ago for us to host the USAPL meet. You know, Josh Josh Dacour is the state chair um, and he he 
you know, trains at zero gyms. Uh, so he had a conversation with me and I, I first off said no. Um, and then, you know, I, I considered from both a business perspective and a removal of bias perspective and just thought, okay, well, we're in a good position to give lifters a good competition for the first one in Queensland. Uh, so I put my hand up. We ran the first one. Um, it was relatively small. We had quite a few interstate lifters as well, but overwhelmingly it was a success. It was a really fun day. Um, everyone enjoyed it. Uh, and we had uh, Women of Power straight after our annual female-only comp. Um, I think we had 20-ish lifters, maybe a little bit more in that one too. It was a super efficient day though. Mm-hmm. Like we started at nine and we finished by three yeah. with two competitions. Finished before three. Mm. Yeah, it was a, gr- a great day. Lots of fun. Um, what were the highlights for you guys? Ocean. Mm. She's amazing. Hasn't even reached her full potential. Yeah, so yeah. keep keep <laughs> your eyes on a lifter. Keep your eyes on a lifter called called Ocean. You, you've probably not heard of her or seen her lifting. Um, but this woman could be... She she can go places in powerlifting. Mm. Uh, she's been lifting for seven months? Since she, like actually started lifting, not just powerlifting, but... Going started, to the gym in February. lifting in February, yeah. Yeah. And what, what were the numbers? 20, 225 squat? <laughs> 225 squat, which no was belt, high bar. No belt, no sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> high bar. And it's fast. It was probably an RPE6. Yeah. <laughs> and deep. Yeah. Mm, very nice squat. Very mm. nice. Uh, she benched 122. Yep. And she pulled 210. Unreal. Mm, yeah. Damn. Unreal. Yeah, so what was it? Like close to five five fifty or five fifty five or something like that. Five seventy five. I don't know. No, 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 that was twenty two as well. Yeah, she's twenty two. So Whatever it was though, it's a super heavyweight total uh record in Australia. Mm. Yeah, so <laughs> I know I know she's got some events on later in the year, but I, I spoke to Daniel and I was like, Man, we gotta get her to do do world. So hopefully we can get her into the October comp and then um uh, get her into into the IPL worlds and, and make some noise there. But very, very, very talented young lifter with a, a bright future if she chooses to pursue it for sure. Such a sweetheart too. So nice. It was pretty cool seeing everyone get around her as well. So like when she'd go lift, everyone in the warm-up room would come crowd around mm. just wanting to see her. Because it was, it was a joke how fast she moved those, those squats. <laughs> and it was funny. Like So after her opener, 200 kilos, like we said before, high bar, beltless, no sleeves. When she walked out the back, you could just see all the guys kind of calculating. Have I ever done that? (laughs) (laughs) It was so so good. And so she did one of our novice comps earlier in the year and she was so nervous. So it was really cool to see her a lot more relaxed and um, enjoying the day. Daniel Tevy and the Grind Fitness Unit crew, like they're they're just such a cool bunch of people. They were awesome. They're all so nice. So nice. Brought a big team. Love those guys. Yeah, he he brings. I love how he brings. He he packs out the place every comp. Yeah, mm. and they're all super friendly, and they're, they're all super strong as well. Yeah. Super strong. <laughs> all his lifters were mega strong. It was awesome. I remember he's like, "Oh, I've got a chick that just started lifting. I'm gonna bring her down." I'm like, "Bro, she fucking did lifted 160. That's that's <laughs> you mean stupid. she just started lifting. <laughs> People are chasing this their whole lives. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. So USAPL comp, uh, woman of power. Anything else you want to... Actually, no, I'm going to shout out a couple of my clients that competed. Yep. So I had uh, Reese Kingsford, who's just been on a... He's been a steam train lately. He's just been on a roll for... I can't, I'm not too sure how long I've coached him, but he's just progressed every single block since I coached him. Mm. So yeah, he's been on a really good roll. He PB'd his total um, in a different federation with different rules. So he PB'd his total on a stiff bar and in sleeves. So he scored a 200 in sleeves. His last comp he scored a... 200 wraps, mm-hmm. which is like, I'd like to see what his rap score would be now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he benched, we missed our third, so we, he hit 127, but he did lifted 245, which is a huge PB. So he ended up totaling 575. Yeah, his previous deadlift was like 230 or 232 on a deadlift bar. Yep. Yeah, so on a stiff bar, he pulled 245. And he's a weapon. He knows how to grind out a lift as well. Yeah. He's one of those guys that can do that. He's like he's like Paris Kazani. It <laughs> might take it might take five minutes for him to lock it out, but he'll just hold on to it the entire time. And yeah, he's a weapon. Yeah. So really stoked with his efforts. And my other online client, Aaron Armstrong, he had a really good meet too. It was his first meet, so first official meet. He did the Woman of Power. Um, really <laughs> proud of his efforts, even though he was uh, sick. Sorry. Did the USAPR? You oh, said, yeah. you said <laughs> he did the Woman of Power. Sorry, Aaron. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, so Aaron Armstrong <laughs> the USA still didn't deal. win. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have won that either, CJ. Nah, nah. I would have got smoked. <laughs> um, None of us would have. <laughs> but uh, Aaron Armstrong, he had a really good meet. He actually got really sick uh, about a week ago. Um, so to still come in total 500 kilos in his first meet. Nice. Uh, going six for nine is pretty good. So we got uh, we got lots of room to improve. So we're going to look for something at the end of the year to uh, work towards. Mm-hmm. We had a, a couple of other gym members competing. So mm. we had Hazza. Um, Tamara. Oh, yes. She did so good. Another one of my uh, face-to-face clients. She did awesome. She totaled yeah. 297.5 mm-hmm. in the Woman of Power. That was her first powerlifting comp as well, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. She did amazing. And she's such a great lifter. She's going to be really good if she, uh, she's got, you know, if she wants to stick at this, um, she could, yeah, be pretty good. Didn't she deadlift PB by like 20 kilos or something? Yep. Uh, 120. And then her squat was a PB as well. Mm-hmm. And then her bench was... Missed 77 twice. Got it up yeah. the first time, but mm. the yeah. big bar dip bar in the middle. Dip, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But no, she was really um, stoked with the performance anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Sorry. was awesome weekend. I cut you off. We had Hazza. Who else? Hazza. We had the other young guy. Um, Michael. Oh, Michael Sue. Michael. Michael. Michael yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Michael, he had a good day as well. Yeah, he did. He's actually yeah. strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why are you surprised? Because <laughs> I've never really watched him lift. Yeah. And he's quite jacked, eh? Yeah. yeah. Me and Bridget say he's got a massive chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he trains weird times. Mm. Inconsistent times. Sometimes mm. real late at night, sometimes like middle of the day. Yeah. He's been wearing his soft suit for like six weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> getting, getting ready for the All day. day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I told you, I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but he walked into the uh, gym wearing his soft suit. Mm. And I was like, oh, you've been wearing that all day, brother? And he's like, yeah. To uni, <laughs> right? He wore it yeah. to uni. I was like, oh. What a mad dog. Shout <laughs> out. very brave. Shout out, Michael. Well done. Um, sweet. All right. Well, if anyone else has got anything to add to the recap, I'm going to move on. Let's do it. So our topic for the day is what is a good workout? And how do we measure what a good work? How do we measure we had a good workout? Tom, bro, you want to kick things off? Well, first, I, I wanted to ask you where this actually came from. Like, what made you think of this question? Um, <clears throat> so lately, I've been having a bit of a internal battle with my weights training. So because I'm trying to detach myself from a number on the bar, it's a little bit difficult when you're trying to get back into it. So, you know, before I'd do easy sets of 10 at 100 kilos on the bench press, and now I'm doing easy sets at 85, 90. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so for me, that's that's where it kind of came from. I'm like, hey, I still had a really fucking good workout. The number doesn't really determine, uh, isn't the isn't the determining factor of what a good workout is. That's where it came from. But we can dive way deeper into this and yeah, for mm. sure. Because I think so much of it is uh, mental, right? It's so much more to do with the mindset that you bring to training, um, and how you define things. Like it, it sounds a little bit eclectic, but that's the reality of it. It's kind of like um, if you compare it to nutrition. Um, no, don't we won't even do that yet. Just think of track training, right? It's like we all know, everyone training knows that to get the result, it takes work over time. Like you're not going to do one session and wake up next day shredded and jacked. You know, that's just not how it works. We all know it takes time. And so to try and measure the outcome based on one tiny little snapshot in time, that would be like me starting today and being like in six months, I want to be 20 kilos lighter. And then eating one meal and be like, I wonder what I weigh. Yeah, that, that's what measuring a good session kind of feels like. However, there is some like, um, there is some objective measures that I guess we can take as to whether or not the session's been effective, but it's almost irrelevant. Like it's almost pointless because it's more about uh, accuracy over time or consistency over time. Like if your measurement of whether a session is effective is how fucked you are when you walk out of the gym, you can push that up. But within one week of training, you need a deload. Mm. You know, you've overworked. So you shouldn't walk out of the gym feeling like you've absolutely obliterated yourself every time because you can't build any momentum doing that. By the same token, if you feel like you walk out of the gym feeling like you never went to the gym in the first place, you're probably not doing enough. And so it is really hard to come up with objective measures of what a good session feels like. Really, the measure is, did you go in and do what you needed to do? Did you hit the numbers, the intensities, the relative intensities that you needed to hit on each exercise? And is each exercise in that program structured in a way that you know is going to work either based on experience or based on what your coach has given you or whatever it may be? 
that's for me that's it It, that is the mark of a good session like did you complete it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's it yeah we can we can go down the other end of the uh, pendulum as well we can say did I enjoy that workout? Like there's other ways we can measure a workout. Um, we don't always have to look at it from the elite standpoint of, did I complete my workout? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's very important that we do have like a structured plan in place that we do, you know, if we've got a structured plan in place, did we hit the sets and reps? Yes, we did. Good workout. But yeah, like I said, we, there's other ways uh, Other ways we can um, measure a good workout. One of them is enjoying your workout. That's where your relationship with your coach and your program, you know, you can manipulate those things to make it more enjoyable for yourself. Are you doing exercises that you actually enjoy? Yes, there are some exercises that you have to do because they are beneficial for you, um, for specifically for the sport of powerlifting. But um, that's one thing that I've uh, that I always come down to is, especially with my face to face clients, did they enjoy this session? Yeah, mm. yeah, and it, I mean like that is important to take stock into because then when you look at that over time that sense of accomplishment, enjoyment, uh, whatever you want to call it, is what then drives someone to come back. And it's like the consistency that then drives the progress, even if the programming isn't that great. Um, So absolutely, I think that's a a factor to take into account. Um, As long as, you know, you recognize as a lifter that you won't enjoy every single session. Mm. You know, you shouldn't, just like, you know, some sessions are great because you are fucked after it, but every single session shouldn't be like that. Yeah, some 100%. sessions are great because you had the best time. Every single session is not going to be like that. Yeah. It's also identifying, as a coach, it's also identifying the client's needs. Well, is sure. my client coming to me for a good time? Are they coming to hang out and, you know, get a sweat up, get a little bit of a pump? You know, then we're going to do that. But if their goal is to be a really great powerlifter, they're not going to enjoy everything that we do. Mm. Mm. Please don't advertise like that, though. Call me for a good time. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I, I stand behind that in the, in the zero advertising methodology. Oh, that's so good. Call Handy for a good time. But, yeah, Thomas said before, like, the chasing fatigue uh, thing. You know, it's a very uh, old-school bro way to train. Like, I'm sure we all did it when we first started training. We'd walk in, train chest, and we'd absolutely obliterate our pecs by, mm. you know, drop-setting everything, over going to failure and everything and things like that. Um I think is I think over time people have, um, you know, so in oh, I don't even know with general population maybe not so much but definitely people in in our industry uh, coaches and and everything like we know that um, getting a crazy pump every time or re- feeling really domsy after every mm-hmm. session doesn't actually define whether or not a session's been effective and I think that that's a that's a thing that people look for is like, how do I feel the next day? I judge the session based on that. And again, it doesn't matter. That's, mm. it's like saying um, fish oil is a really good supplement. So you take fish oil and you're looking to feel different. And if you don't feel different, you're like, this doesn't work for me. So well, that's not how supplements work. It's mm. not how training works. You don't feel something or see something straight away. It's little doses over time. It's um a very common, uh, strategy that's used in the snc world with professional athletes is you know their schedules change day to day is at the end of their sessions rating their session on an rpe scale how hard it was was that Mm. session an eight is that session a nine was that a 10 was that too hard all right now we need to adjust your next session on the fly if we're going to play if we're going to play on saturday kind of thing so that's another way you can uh i guess you could judge a workout as well with an rpe scale um, I know Jamie Timms at Zero Brisbane. He does that with a lot of his uh, his clients, his athletes. He'll get them to rate their session at the end of the at the end, give them a rating, and you know they'll talk through about uh, why was it too hard? What did mm. we do that drove that much fatigue? Uh, and uh, it's a good it's good it's good for the coach as well uh, for planning wise, like what to do next time. How can I reduce the volume? How can I reduce set intensity? It's really interesting using that example because it, it really highlights the difference between something like powerlifting and, and strength and conditioning. Like in strength and conditioning, the, the strength training aspect for, for an athlete is the accessory. Mm. And so we need to monitor, okay, how do you feel after this session? So we know to buffer what we're doing to make sure that this athlete can still perform. Um, whereas I can tell everyone from you know a decade or more of experience coaching lifters at the highest level, knowing that stuff doesn't actually change too much. Mm. It's more the bigger picture that matters. And the reason that's the case is that like you were just highlighting, the athlete's schedule is so much more 
generally inconsistent in terms of load and fatigue based on where they are preseason, season, off season, whatever, versus a powerlifter's schedule, which is almost always super consistent because we do so so little training, mm-hmm. and that training is very controlled and very consistent. Like there's not a lot. Even the the slight differences that you have program to program, there's not actually a lot that changes that much. And so monitoring that session to session fatigue, it helps give you data for sure. Uh, but the question is, is like how useful is that data and what do you do with that data? And if you're too reactive, you end up with a program that's inconsistent. And so it's like you're collecting data session to session, but that data then uh, cancels out the overwhelming data of like what does block to block look like? Mm-hmm. Because you're like, oh, no, uh, you're feeling fatigued this session. I better change everything next session. Maybe they just had a bad day. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't sleep well the night before. Like uh, being too reactive and then gathering that data actually becomes anti-data. Mm-hmm. becomes bad. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's always a thing with any sort of data collection. Is like, what the fuck do we do with it? Yeah, that's like um, obviously if you're peaking for a competition, whether it be powerlifting, sprinting, what else is a peaking sport? High jump, long jump. You know, we are peak. Are there other sports? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. obviously, during a peak, you're going to be fatigue is going to be in an all time high. You can't change the. Well, you can change it a little bit, but you know, you can't really change the what you're doing. You, you know, fatigue's going to be high. Just because you're feeling shitty doesn't mean you can't do that session. Uh, you know, because you're peaking for a particular day, a particular time where you need to be your strongest, you need to be your fastest. So yeah. Like you said, Thomas, uh, sometimes that data is a little bit too much and, you know, we could be uh, doing a disservice to the athlete by changing things on the fly all the time. Mm. I mean, like, the, it's different strokes with different folks as well. Like, don't don't let me – if you're a coach that collects data or a, 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 um, a coaching yourself and you like to look at that individual data and tracking and everything like that, don't let me discourage you. Uh, just, just ask yourself the question. Challenge yourself with what does this mean? What do I do with it? Um, do I have to action it? Because for me, I do collect data. I just do it on a block-to-block basis. Um, I don't do it on a week-to-week basis uh, because it's it's less relevant. And um, if there is data that needs to be collected from a week, it comes up in client interaction. People say, I'm feeling really trash this week. I'm not hitting my numbers. And then I can do something about that. But if I look for that data and I make changes too early or too reactively, I can really impact the momentum that we have. Um, and that's just knowing and understanding your own programming style. The more that you do, the, the the more that you understand your own programming style and how that affects individuals of different shapes and sizes, experience levels, etc. Um, the less data you need to collect because you've already got a like predictive set of data there for you. Anyway, that's getting overcomplicated. To answer the question, like <laughs> I'm going to sit on my answer, which is like for me, the mark of a good session. Uh, is did you complete it? And did mm-hmm. you complete it to, to the um, parameters defined? And if you did, you're winning. And if you don't um, have parameters defined, it's like, like James said, you know, you, you probably don't have parameters defined if you're maybe a little bit less serious. Um, and if that's the case, did you enjoy the session? Does it make you want to come back? Does it um, give you a sense of fulfillment? That's, that's it. Mm. You can always move the goalposts if something doesn't go your way. If Let's say if I didn't hit my numbers, did I get a sick bicep pump? Yes, I did. Did I do one more, more rep on this accessory? Yes, I did. I progressed in some way. Um, but that's pretty much all I got. Sick. Sweet. Tom, bro, you got some questions for us? Yeah, we still got a little bit of time left. So I, I put a question box on uh, on my Instagram yesterday, um, and I got a few people throw some stuff out there. Uh... What would you guys say to this? Should you train at a powerlifting gym when you don't powerlift? Absolutely. A thousand percent. This community's for everybody. Mm-hmm. What's a, what's a powerlifting gym? I, that's what I mean. Any gym you go to, everyone does squat, bench, deadlift. Mm. You might as well <laughs> squat, bench, deadlift on really good equipment. <laughs> that's what I reckon. But I don't know. I feel like we're all inclusive and I feel like we're at that. We've, we've got more general population that just enjoy their strength training than we do powerlifters. Definitely. Yeah. Across the whole of zero. Yep. That's what I tell everybody when they ask about this gym. I'm like, you don't have to be a powerlifter. We've got kids that train here. We've got older people. We've got Graham. She's 74. She comes in three times a week and smashes it. Mm. Yeah, it's for everyone. It's, yeah. it's funny because like powerlifting is just a sport. Mm-hmm. And powerlifting, it's, powerlifting the sport is made up of strength training mm. using squat bench deadlift. 
So if if I'm talking about what zero is to a powerlifter, it's a powerlifting gym. Mm. If I'm talking to about zero to everyone else, it's a strength training gym. Because mm. powerlifting is strength training, same thing. It's just the label in the sport, right? Yeah. Um, and so strength training is great. Like we, everyone knows that strength training is is beneficial for people of all ages or goals. Um, and uh, yeah, so if you don't do powerlifting, should you train at zero? Yes. I guess you should. A thousand percent. You Absolutely. don't question. Uh, you don't ask yourself before you jump in a swimming pool. Am I a swimmer? Do I have to be a swimmer to jump in this pool? No, you don't. Just like you shouldn't have to ask yourself, do I have to be a powerlifter to train at zero? Because you definitely don't. It's all-inclusive, baby. I think it's so important. I even lean on the more extreme biases. Everyone should at least have trained in a powerlifting gym. Mm. And my reason is because because powerlifting is literally the sport. You take so seriously like your form and technique and things like that, which I wish I had that as a base instead of kind of just trying to figure it out, going to a commercial gym, you don't really know what you're doing. And just like, you know, Thomas always says that the safe, the strongest way to lift something is the safest way. And I think that like coming here was almost like being open to new eyes. Like, Oh, this is how you should do cables and dumbbells and Mm -hmm. this and that. Like, I wish, like, I think everyone should come through and learn like the proper technique on everything and the safest way to do things. Yeah. And, what better way to do it than at a place that literally does it for the sport? Mm. Very true. Awesome. Um, Arian, Arian's, I think Arian is currently the longest standing online client of Zero. Before Tom Hardy? Yeah, I think I think he's before Tom Hardy. I'd have to I'd have to check the stats on that, but I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, anyway, Arian's been with us forever. Arian is a legend. He's done online coaching. Uh, he did the coach development course. Uh, Arian asks, how close should your close grip bench be and why? Well, I don't know if you've, if you've seen some of my program, Thomas. I always put close and then in brackets, R, grip. Closer grip. Closer grip. Yeah. So closer than your regular grip. Yes. So I agree with that. I think um, close grip is just defined by being closer than your regular grip. I mean, like it comes down to the purpose. We program at zero, we program closer grip benching for the purpose of taking shoulders through more range. Like it's a variation of the same movement that allows the shoulders to go through more range. uh, So we can challenge that extra range and and work on controlling the shoulder position. Um, Like I I don't know. I don't program it with the logic of like, yeah, it's going to help your tricep strength and tricep strength. Fuck that. It's a, it's a, it's a bench press and we're, and we're doing it as like the equivalent of a deficit deadlift or something like that. Um, is there too close? I would say, yes, there is too close. And it's similar to like um, a, a, a squat stance or a deadlift stance being too close to the point where the legs or the knees are bowing out outside of the ankles. So same thing on a, um, on a bench press, if the if the elbows are, are bowing outside of the wrists, then the the close grip is too close, and so it kind of raises raises the question of like, what if your regular bench grip is like in so far as any closer is too close? I would just define your regular grip as like closer grip benching, and then the accessory to that would be a wider grip bench. That's all I do for people that. Um, you know, have their competition bench press grip in as what I'd define as a close grip bench. I just make them do wider grip bench as as the accessory instead. And the purpose there is that the closer that you go, the more what's called body approximation, just things hitting other things, automatic stability that you get. The wider you go, the more exposed you are, the harder it is to stabilize because you have to create that stability. So it just challenges that. It's just doing the opposite, developing the opposite attribute. Uh, but most people who are competing in powerlifting don't have a base grip that's that close anyway. So they can come in a bit closer. What is the closest grip you've seen? Or what is, like, who still benches with a very, very close grip that you know of? Um, that we coach? Mm. Oh, I don't know. Father's Day. <laughs> um, yeah, Brett, Brett Walland had a very close grip for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, he did. Not a very close grip, but what I would define as, like, um, close grip, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, an accessory for him for a long time was wider grip tempo benching. Uh, and then it gradually he moved his grip out wider and, and hit some PBs. And unfortunately, just recently he tore his pec off the bone. So he's just Jeez. had surgery. Um, where are we now? July. He had surgery maybe six or seven weeks ago. He benched the bar this week for the first time. So congratulations, Brett, on the mend, having a having a really good recovery. So good on him. I can't wait to see him bounce back because he's a weapon, eh? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great venture. 
Absolutely. Otherwise, most people have, like most people who end up in powerlifting chasing a bigger bench end up with a medium to wider grip bench because it's where you end up moving the most weight. That's just the reality of it. Sweet. Yes. Got All any, right. Uh, got any more questions or nah? Uh, I do. Some of them would require uh, a much longer conversation. Uh, let's do... Let's just do this one. Thoughts on cluster sets for strength. Um, what do you guys reckon? I don't know much about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know what they are. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we don't program that. <laughs> so, yeah, a, a, a cluster set is like, you know, we might give CJ a, a cluster of like five, which is where you do five reps, but you have a 20 to 30 second break in between each rep. So you might do a deadlift, step back, wait 30 seconds, go in, do another one. Um, the, the head of USAPL coaching team i don't know if he's still involved but he was the head coach for when it was the ipf for years and years and years and years he was a huge believer of this on deadlifts and had some um logic around like uh logic around elasticity and muscles and um the fact that you know it's a common occurrence for people do rep one of a deadlift and rep two to feel like garbage uh to rep two to feel way better uh, because they can mechanically load into it and so to get used to doing the first rep the best, they would program cluster sets. So and how heavy are we talking oh, on these okay. sets, like in percentages? It's similar to what you do for a set of five. Yeah. Maybe mm. even a, a bit heavier. Yeah. Yeah, it d- just depends on the coach and the goal and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually only ever seen coaches program them for deadlifts. Mm. I've never actually seen anyone do them for bench and squats. I guess it's because, you know, a bench and a squat has so much more setup time. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's walk. horrible. And <laughs> unless, unless you're a, a, a modern-day Instagram lifter, in which case you do a stupid, like, floppy arm, dance around sumo setup. Uh, <laughs> setup <laughs> takes 45 seconds. We saw, we saw a few of them in the weekend. Uh, <laughs> clusters are probably aren't the best oh, really? option for you. <laughs> um, like, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of if you think you, c- you can put an exercise in and justify its... Um, its presence in the program and have a good logic behind it it's a good exercise uh my opinion on any of this sort of stuff is is it a good exercise yes or no if it is great it's an option can i find a better option if i can't find a better option i'm going to choose that because i want the best outcome so personally i think there are better options than cluster sets um, because i'm a big fan of work Uh, i believe if you do more work overall over time and, and however you choose to define that, more sets, more reps, more weight, whatever, um, if you do more work, uh, you will get stronger, you will get bigger. Um, and I think a cluster set can potentially limit the amount of work that you can do overall. Um, however, you know, I, I think they can have their time in place. I'm just not going to program them anytime soon. Sweet. That's what I would say. Nice. But like the, the cluster set alone, like the question, cluster sets for strength, what are your thoughts? It's like you can do anything for strength. Like do reverse band deadlifts, do mm. banded deadlifts, do ba- deadlifts with chains, do all the stuff that people say, oh, that's no good. There's better options now. doesn't mean you can't get stronger doing it. I just think there's better options to get stronger. That's 100%. Sweet. Well, that's uh, that's about us for the Zero Weakness podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Tombo, tell them, uh, did anyone get a shirt for doing the ratings? No, because we haven't actually released anything. <laughs> we'll put that... Uh, Chop yeah, that snippet out and chuck that on the Instagram. Okay. Yeah, mm. so so people know that it's even happening. Yeah. Um, hopefully this releases in time, but I've got two upcoming workshops, one in Ireland and one in Wales. Um, I'll put that all over Instagram and people can sign up to that. If you're an international listener, please come and say hello. That would be really cool. Sweet. Thanks for tuning in. Give us five stars on Spotify. Yeah, YouTube, all that jazz. Sick. See yous. Thank you so much for listening to the Zero Podcast. If you want more information, head to our Instagram, zero underscore weakness. Hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions. Thank you once more.